0: My name is Craig Wright. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Sean Meadow. I'm Jack Butler. And I'm Gus Morris. And this is the Emerald Football (laughs) Podcast. We're still technically, I guess, nameless, you know, I'm... Let's but I think we're, we're just going to... We're, 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 gonna we're the, Emerald,
1: or the Emerald Podcast now. Pod, Emerald Football Podcast. That's what it is. Or the EFP.
0: I yeah. like it. The
1: EFP. Welcome to the EFP. Officially. Week, uh... The F7? FPA. Welcome to F-pa. FPA. It's off to a great start.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to dive into some UCLA review and some preview of Utah this weekend. The Utes come to Eugene. They'll play at Autzen at 245 on Saturday. But... We're going to talk about UCLA first, and both you guys were down in Los Angeles to cover that one. What are your, your just general takeaways at, from? Firstly, at least.
1: Well, use LA sucks. First off, that's my first. Take. As a city, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan, especially, especially <laughs> Irvine, especially <laughs> my yeah. hometown. Okay. Um, um,
2: yeah, Jack, you want to go ahead? Sure. I mean, as far as the the game is concerned, it was it was this sort of I mean, kind of use this cliche often, but a tale of two halves in a sense. Like halftime, it's fourteen to fourteen. You're you're kind of like, okay, this hey, this yes. could be a little different. Braxton Burmeister and the offense, and specifically in the second quarter, was able to get things going. They ran the ball. He completed on third downs, which they were awful at.
1: Oregon had the, the ball a
2: lot, too, in the second yeah, quarter, which really kind of
1: limited UCLA's effectiveness on offense, and too. It,
2: yeah, so they were they were getting long drives, so the defense was rested, and they could stop UCLA's offense, and then, like, Burmeister just looks significantly more confident, and yeah. then the second half rolls around, and it's the same old problems that we've seen yeah. from three weeks, and at the end of the day... You know, they were held scoreless three yeah. out of four quarters.
1: And this is what, the third or fourth game that Oregon hasn't scored in the second half or something like that? It's, I mean, whatever whatever adjustments they're trying to make at halftime, the other team is making better adjustments and, and really kind of like i mean Oregon has been the, the this crazy pass or a rush heavy offense and and you know teams have been game planning that from the start and you know Oregon finds a couple gaps here or there in the first half and then teams are just like all right we need to buckle down and Oregon kind of has been predictable with their play calling just in terms of yeah. rushing and they don't pass the ball as much and i feel like in the second quarter a lot of second half a lot of teams just make those adjustments that and and just Jim kinda Mora, counters
2: against Oregon Jim Mora post game said that Oregon, the amount of times Oregon rushed it was out of this world. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was. That's a pretty
1: accurate assumption.
2: Yeah. It was. I mean, if you just go on stats and you
0: look, Oregon rushing
2: total like 62.
0: Yeah. Um, Freeman had 18 carries himself. Burmeister only threw the ball. Or not eighteen carries. Sorry, twenty nine. Twenty nine carries. carries. Or Thirty carries himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean Burmeister was, had sixteen carries. That was clearly right. something they were
2: trying to do is is run with him. He also got beat up. Oh, uh, he got he got beat up, and he'll continue to get beat up because that is still the best version of yeah. his offenses. He's a talented runner, and yeah. they need to take advantage of that. And if you can't stretch the team vertically with yeah. the passing game, like you need all hands on deck for the rushing attack, yeah. so you need to utilize Spurmeister, but, you know, like, 15 passing attempts to, like, 62 rushing attempts. Yeah, that's... Yeah. It doesn't... I, I swear to God, I don't think I saw two safeties deep at any point for UCLA. It's
1: a, I mean, the game is a pretty good microcosm of what Oregon's, like, just looks like after Herbert went down. It's just crazy, crazy run-heavy, and, like, you know, Royce is, Royce is doing the best he can, and, I mean, you know, silver lining from the game is, you know, Royce has finally passed LaMichael Michael James for... First all-time for Oregon career rushing guard. so that's something. It's just hard to celebrate something like that, and the loss, especially with the season you know where Oregon started out so promising, and now they're on a three-game losing streak too.
2: Yeah, but, it was uh, again. You know, we you just got to halftime, you were like, okay, hey, this is yeah, this is they're improved. looking good, and, and and it what he it was improved. The yeah. offense was
1: improved. Burmeister looked more comfortable, like you said, he was actually attempting some downfield passes, but
2: but it wasn't. You know, it also wasn't that good of a UCLA defense. Yeah, no. um, Burmeister
0: only seventy-four yards. Yeah, so is, it's is, right. is there? There's a little improvement, you say, but
1: well, I mean, again, like after a game like Stanford, where you where you throw for twenty some yards and get picked off twice, like yeah. that's, that's and there's nowhere to go it, but up from there.
2: And it go yeah, there's nowhere to go from up from where he's been against Stanford and where Taylor Alley was against Stanford yeah. and where just this offense was against yeah. Stanford. And,
1: it's a pretty sad s- s- state of affairs know, when 74 passing yards is an improvement and on there's passing and game, And too.
2: there's little things that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. I mean, this showed up as a sack, but right out of the gate in the third quarter, Burmeister, hmm. I-, I think it was an RPO, like a run-pass option, and he, everybody was going run, and he decided to throw it, and he got absolutely clobbered on yeah. the blind side. And it's, you know, that goes down as a sack. That goes down as, you know, minus rushing yards, but, like, you know, there's little things like that too that need to be improved. And Taggart specifically kind of pointed out that play as yeah. just something that is little that, like, you know, the entire team thinks it's a run play and then he pulls it to, to pass and how maybe he's trying to do a little too much right now. Yeah.
1: And that killed one of Oregon's many promising drives in the yeah. second half, too.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, that was right out of the. They were taking advantage of momentum that yeah. they had going into halftime because they tied the, the ball game up, like, right before halftime. Yeah. And so they were taking advantage of the momentum. They were in our, you know, I think at that point, I don't, know, they might have had a chance to take the lead. I mean, it yeah, was. Yeah, I think
1: it was still 14 14. I think it was point. still,
2: but it was pretty early on in the third quarter. And I mean, it's just those little things like that when you need everything to go perfectly. You just don't have, you have zero room for error yeah. like that. And that's pretty much impossible to maintain over. A game, let alone weeks after week after week.
0: Yeah. Well, it, positive from the game has to be Royce Freeman's record. Yeah. And yeah. W- What's the buzz around that right now?
1: Uh, I mean, there's really not much because they're they're losing. I mean, Royce was supposed to come out today for practice, and he um he kind of somewhat denied it. You know, he said he was going to go through a walkthrough and then come back, but walkthrough goes right up until practice, and then they have to practice, so he just kind of walked off and did walk through and then he never, never came back. So I don't even think like and, and that's the only time we're we're going to be able to talk to him this week up until you know after the Utah game. So and, and I mean even after the UCLA game, you know, I mean he was obviously talking about the loss more so than the record, you know. I mean, he was appreciative of it. Um, you know, I mean I you know J- Michael James had actually, you know, tweeted out to him and said like, "Hey man, you know, congrats and whatnot." Um, and you know Royce was like, "Yeah, you know, thanks, but it was just, you know, it was kind of lost in all the you know, it, it was lost in the loss." I mean, you know, I mean, you can. Royce has had a great season and he's had a good bounce back season, but it's it's kind of looking like the the decision to come back for a senior year. And you know, he's kind of a leading, uh, leading a leading a bit of a doomed Oregon team right now. If, if I'm if if I'm you know making a making a bit of a statement, but it's like you know without Herbert, this the season's kind of gone just way downhill. And yeah, it's a nice it's a nice note that that Freeman broke the record and like he he you know should have. But yeah, I mean, it, when it comes to a loss, it's just like a side note in the game. It's it's not really something you pay much attention to.
2: Yeah, I mean, every single time you bring it up, players are, and especially Freeman, are like, I, this is great, like it means a lot, but it's really hard right now yeah. because we're we just we lost and yeah. we are losing. So it's just one of those things. I think the vibes around it. I mean, it's good, but it's kind of like it It almost just it almost just kind of doesn't matter in a yeah. sense because like what is what does it all mean if we're not winning anyway mm-hmm. and i I think that's really tough, probably for all these players and Royce to kind of process right now too. It's just like i've he's had such an amazing career, but while he's doing these amazing things, the program trended down mm-hmm. um you know it is currently down and he's gonna leave and it's you know he's gonna leave at the point where uh it's down and you know we'll probably turn back up at some point but you know he'll be gone so I think it's like it's kind of this odd odd relationship where the program over the years as he's made an impact has gone down obviously by no means is that uh his fault but at the same time you're doing these amazing things but yet yeah. ev- everything's kind of negative around you that must just i
1: it must be weird yeah. it would just
2: be a weird thing to kind of handle and so that's why i understand why you know it's kind of this like this undertone right yeah. now when it probably should be uh, this a huge celebration yeah, but yeah. it's just it's tough it's well, not
1: and i think people too are gonna look back on this on this kind of stretch of oregon these last couple seasons like you know historically and you know, see that you know this is you know a pretty down down period after you know a really high period, and I I kind of feel like people are going to really overlook the you know Freeman yeah. breaking the record and doing what all he's done. It'll be interesting what his legacy kind of yeah. kind of ends up because I mean freshman year even, you know was in the national championship game
2: right, and and obviously you know they had a good year after that with alamo boy i know that didn't end well but that was a good season i mean i think you know nine wins eight wins yeah i mean with a
0: quarterback as well who hadn't been on the team prior he joined what fall camp yeah that was was, i mean that was a really good team i mean he
2: i mean he had over what 3,000 yards in his first two seasons like it was great and then obviously these past two seasons haven't been uh, that well it's also kind of sour because the season was going really well this year he was Putting up huge numbers, he was starting to get some Heisman buzz, and then you know things out of his control caused him to kind of, I guess, have a, you know, kind of out of out of mind in the national picture. Which, you know, he was sort of getting back in that, like, oh yeah, let's remember how good Royce Freeman is, and 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 he's kind of out of mind now. But I'm curious to see what his legacy becomes because if you look at someone, the guy like, like Michael James, like he broke. His record statistically, you know, he's he's passed him yet. La Michael James was doing that all when they were going yeah. to Rose Bowls and national championships, and they were year in, year out, 10 wins. Yeah, and you know, I don't know whether just on a talent perspective, whether you think Royce is better or than the Michael or not, regardless, like. How much does team success factor into the legacy of, you know, Royce Freeman might be the best running back in Oregon history, Mm -hmm. but maybe people don't think so just because this team isn't doing as well and he kind of was – he was trending up when everyone was trending down.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just to like kind of just last point here, but it's like you know, tying it into basketball a little bit, it's like you look at Jerry West, and Jerry West was an amazing player. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went to the went to the NBA Finals like nine times, only won once, and like he was one of the best players like ever like ever to play. I mean, in that kind of first generation of players, and I mean, he's remembered as being one of the best players. I mean, he's he's the he's you know the NBA logo and whatnot but it's like it still kind of hurts his legacy that he went to the that he went to the
0: finals, you know, 9 times and only actually won once. And that's why it's a team sport not an individual one, right? There you go. But to stay a little bit on rushing, Burmeister with both touchdowns on a rush, on rushes, is it getting concerning that throwing the ball into the end zone when in the red zone or at least trying to punch it in with a running back is that something you think that's concerning for Oregon going forward?
2: I mean I think it's concerning that they have no ability to throw it really anywhere uh, on the field or have shown little ability to throw it anywhere. Um, I actually think when they started to get some drives, Burmeister was pretty good at hitting some hitting some guys. He had Brendan Schooler on a nice slant on a third down that was, you know, hit him, got the first down, he hit an open Charles Nelson. Like, it kind of started to get going. But, I, I mean, as far as Burmeister rushing and Burmeister rushing touchdowns, it's, it's good because when you get into the red zone, you know, he's somebody that defenses need to account for. And, you know, Herbert, he got injured on a rushing touchdown, but at the same time, you know, they weren't they weren't running him as much as, as they probably will continue to run Burmeister, so he's not necessarily as much of that rushing threat as Herbert was. So I, I think once they get down to the goal line, um, you know, once you're that close, I think it's really helpful to have Burmeister's rushing ability, but you know, it just just overall it's <laughs>
1: if you just can't really consistently throw the ball yeah. anywhere, it it kinda all doesn't matter. I haven't I haven't looked at the stat, but it just kinda came to my mind. I wonder what what uh Burmeister's you know, like passing percentage or completion is with like inside the red zone. Does he even have a have a red zone like touchdown this year? I think they've all been. Well, rushes. I the think Jacob Breland
0: touchdown against Washington State no, was a was, distance. No, yeah, well, yeah. So, that was from 30 yards. I, I don't think there was a. I don't think there was a passing.
2: Well, yeah, I, I, well, I think the rushing. The rushing were. Red zone, but well, yeah, no, but that's but what I'm saying. Think, like, like,
1: like that also makes it a little more easy for teams to game plan because Burmeister doesn't really have that accuracy yet. You know, it's just like, hey, he doesn't. You know, like there's not mm-hmm. really a passing threat in the red zone. So I think teams are kind of going to f- are kind of starting to figure that out a little bit. I mean, honestly, you t- yeah, UCLA. You know, Burmeister took advantage of the opportunities there, but um, with a team like Utah, who we're about to start talking about soon, um, <coughs> they have a much better. It, they have a much better run defense than UCLA does, and just a much better defense overall. So, I mean, it, I, I think it'll be interesting just to see, you know, where Burmeister kind of, you know, goes from here, and if there actually even is a passing threat inside the red zone because we haven't seen one yet at all. So,
2: yeah, I mean, maybe that's something that they Oregon counter game plans for. Like, hey, they're gonna sell out to uh, stop the run, just hit them over the top. Yeah, we'll but, see. You know, we we haven't we haven't. Yeah, I I think. I would be curious to look at his red zone passing stats. Yeah. And that's something that you know, after this I'll probably look into, but <laughs> it would be it would be interesting to see if they do anything in terms of passing once they kind of get to the red zone, yeah. maybe catch a defense off guard because he has had success running in the red zone. I mean, he's got I think three or four rushing touchdowns this season and most of them are,
0: are when they're close, so We'll see. Yeah. Well, that's a good transition I think into Utah who the Ducks play this weekend. They're 4 and 3, 1 and 3 in Pac-12, 5th in the conference right now the Utes and I mean it, we expect Burmeister to be the starter. Herbert has been practicing though today he had pads on. So that's a good sign for Oregon at least they'd have that coming back, but the Utes are looking pretty good on the defensive side, so that that might be a little bit Of the roadblock for Braxton Burmeister, so that brings me to the question: the the Utes this year, they look pretty good.
1: They're a weird team. They're like just like going through stats, going through, uh, you know, going through just you know their overall record, kind of their, their their season so far. Uh, it's it's definitely kind of been really similar to Oregon, where you know Tyler uh was it Tyler Huntley? Yeah. Tyler Huntley, their starting quarterback, had a really great start to the year. It got him out to a 4-0, 4 start. Got hurt, uh, believe in their I know, first half of their sec of their fourth game. Uh, missed a couple games, and Tyler Williams uh, came in, and um, they they then lost their next two games, and their offense really struggled. And then Huntley came back last week for his first game, and threw four interceptions against ASU. Uh, so they're on they're currently on a four-game losing streak or three-game losing streak right now. They're four and three. Uh, one and three in the uh, in the Pac-12 South uh, fifth place right now. So yeah, I mean offensively they're they're a pretty mediocre team. Uh, the, the only weapon they have is is you know our our boy Darren Carrington <laughs> our guy. Um, I'm not that faded Darren Carrington. Uh, and does he catch a good nickname? Yeah he, yeah, he is. Does he catch fades? It's all he catches. Oh my god, he, he run good fade routes. Fades. Uh, but yeah, I mean offensively they're they're just kind of <laughs> mediocre. But defensively they're one of the better teams in the. In yeah. the, in, in the, in the and Pac-12. that's and that's what
2: um you know that that's what's concerning is they've faced good rushing offenses
1: and good the, and good passing the, offenses the two best
2: too. rushing offenses in the pac 12 in Arizona and Stanford they've already played and yet they're still ranked fourth yeah. overall in pac 12 rushing defense and as we've said all week and as you can just watch it's going to be Oregon running the ball mm. you know a ton and they've been they've been good at holding opposing teams uh rushing attacks. I mean they've already faced like I said, Arizona, you know, Bryce Love. He broke off a couple big runs against them, but that's Bryce Love. And yeah. they've even placed USC, who Ronald Jones is great. I mean, and but kinda ironically, the twist last week they got you know, they got kinda blown out by Arizona State thirty to ten. Yeah. And Arizona State was able to have some success rushing the football significantly more than Arizona State has had this season. Yeah. Um, I so, mean, I
1: think a big part of that is just, is just the four interceptions that, that Huntley threw. But I'd, ima- it's still, I'd imagine it but is. But it's still like, I mean, well, they have over 200 yards on the ground, which is a lot for Arizona State, and also especially a lot against a, a what's supposedly a good you know, Russian defense that Utah has.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, if you just think about Utah throughout the years, under Kyle Whittingham, they've been big. They've physical, been huge. Yeah. They're physical. You know, they don't necessarily do a lot of really fancy things like – washington state kind of did you know washington state had a ton of movement up front and they they really shift last minute i mean utah is just going to physically try and attack you um but kind of a, a similar situation as the stanford game is two of utah's better defenders are out in the first half because they had targeting penalties uh, in the second half against arizona state so you know against stanford it was harrison phillips peter kalambayi two front seven guys and we said if the oregon offense isn't able to move then then they're not going to be able to move and those guys get back yeah. they weren't able to move in the first half and they certainly didn't move uh when they when they got in the second half so the you know this time it's linebacker donovan thompson and safety Corian and ballard for the utes that are out and and those guys are um you know they were ejected in the second half and so you know it'll be it'll be kind of concerning again if they really cannot Oregon if they really cannot move the ball uh-huh. because at least on paper the the Utah defense is going to get better in the second half because they have two of their starters coming back yeah. so it, it's a similar issue and the Ducks were not able to overcome that against Stanford or i guess take advantage against Stanford yeah. so we'll see if they can do it this week in in Otsen
1: well it's it's i mean just just like you know how Utah's defense is made up it's it's just like a kind of interesting team you know no one really stands out you know no one really gets a lot of sacks or a lot of interceptions but they're just like overall a very solid unit they only allow about 132 rushing yards a game which is fourth best in the Pac-12 they uh give up about um was it 220 passing yards per game which is also fourth in the Pac-12 but they're the second worst sack in, you know they they have the second fewest sacks in the in the in, in the Pac-12 as well which i mean i guess kind of indicates that you know they have you know, they, 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 they do get decent pressure on the ball, you know, like, um, you know, just like looking at some of the stats. But, I mean, they don't actually make a lot of, you know, contact with quarterbacks, which, which you know, may, I guess, in some way play into Burmeister's hands. You know, he won't be getting, you know, probably won't be getting as beat up as he as he did against UCLA. But it's like, again, if he takes off and runs the ball, they're still big, they're still physical, and
0: that could be something to watch out for as well. And yeah. to bring up something about the physicality and taking hits, uh, Coach Arroyo, the quarterbacks and— Offensive uh, co-offensive coordinator for the Ducks today was asked about taking hits and he said we've talked about it it goes back to fall camp when we had the slip and slide out there you got to take as many hits off yourself as you can it's already physical enough of a game we do see hits as a course of maturing though I think you look back Justin's gotten a lot better at it this year than last year and I know there's times when I watched film and I came and said hold on you can't take hits like this. It's only to wear over time. So now he says it's maturing. So is that what's helping Burmeister as well get more comfortable is getting comfortable taking hits? I think I think that's a little bit uh, counterproductive maybe because yeah. you have Justin Herbert take a hit, and he's yes, out he's for out. four to six weeks, and then yeah. you have Taylor Alley get the concussion.
1: And I mean, like... Like we also kind of said, I mean, Burmeister really got beat up against UCLA, and I don't think it'll get any easier against Utah. I mean, again, they're they're big, they're physical, yeah. uh, and it's like again, if if you have Braxton go down, it seems like Taylor Alley is the next guy, and you know, I mean, the the job is pretty firmly in Burmeister's hands right now, which kind of tells you enough about Taylor Alley as it is. Yeah, I mean, it's never you just even if you're running your quarterback, you never want him
2: to take hits. Yeah. So it's like, sure, you can try and do your best to kind of attack him or get him used to it. And, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting um, just to watch him. And he, he was, he took those hits. Well, I guess, you know, he, yeah. he got back up, he played, it was kind of interesting. The, the very end, like the ducks were running a play and he, there was a horse collar tackle on him and it was kind of awkward and he was kind of limping, but, Yeah. you know, he got back out there and ran the, the play again. So he, and just, you know, being right next to the tunnel when they were walking out, he was, he was clearly pretty beat up. Yeah, and no one actually asked about that today. I've yeah, listen, that
1: someone really should have. But.
2: but I mean, it was it was clear that this is the game plan, and they're not going to change it. Nah, like, yeah. it doesn't you you can't play thinking if if they play thinking oh we don't want to run him, then they are literally taking away the best option that they have. So it's like <laughs> this is this is the this is the point you're at. You're going to run him. You just got to be like yeah, get used to sliding. Slide when you can, um, but you know you're, you're going to get beat up, and yeah. he's going to get beat up, and you just have to pray
1: that he'll be okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, a few other in- interesting stats here. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of mentioned that Utah is, you know, the second worst pat, you know, uh, they have s- the second fewest pat- uh, sacks in the conference, but they're also the worst uh, team in terms of third down conversions on a uh, uh, on offense. So, I mean. You know, for for a an Oregon defense that's you know I wouldn't say struggling, but I mean they're not playing as they've well had as they games did. where
0: they've let up a lot on yeah. third and fourth down.
1: Yeah, so I mean I think this could be another interesting thing, and and I think this also just kind of comes back to Utah not being that that efficient or even just like overall just that good on offense that they're just not a very good third down team, and that could kind of play into Oregon's hands a little bit. Uh, they're also the tenth most penalized or the third most penalized. Uh, team in the conference, uh, and the only two teams or more are Oregon and UCLA. So, uh, I mean, Oregon really cut down on penalties last game, and that was another, I guess, you could say, silver lining. But I mean, and you know, we could have another game with a lot of flags being thrown. Um, so, just you know, last stat I'm going to bring up here is uh, Utah is also third in time of possession in the conference, and that is you know kind of a, kind of plays into the fact that they rush the ball a lot. They're another team that that is very rush heavy. If I just pull up their stats here right now, they average about what is it? They average about 35 passes a game and about 37 uh, rushes a game. I think I'm reading those stats right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, it, it really is just kind of a weird mix on offense. You know, I mean, they, they do throw the ball, you know, a good amount, but it's, you know, their offense really kind of relies on the run game.
2: Yeah, so I do kind of want to want to bring up Darren Carrington, though. I, I mean, he had some comments uh, today about... Says
0: he's expecting coming, to get
2: booed. Expecting to get booed doesn't really care about that um you know us against the world kind of <laughs> mentality and then just that he's played in the stadium you know so many times that uh it's just kind of a another game uh for him again i i i doubt that i mean you know you can't you can't just like kind of shove aside he you know he called Oregon his home you can't just shove aside your home and he admitted it would be weird so and it, it is going to be weird and I don't know how fans will react I think there'll be some boost because it was kind of a contentious relationship he had here because you know he got in a lot of trouble uh legally and just with the NCAA and and things like that you know being suspended in the national championship game so it was like you know, and and then half the year the next year when Vernon Adams, and then he comes back and he's great. So, I'm I'm just really interested to see kind of the fan reaction to him. Um He's having a monster year. Yeah, I mean he's put up huge numbers. He's far and away their best receiver. He's one of the best receivers in the Pac-12. Probably
1: their best offensive player. Honestly, overall.
2: probably probably has been, and and so, you know, I'm curious to just kind of see also Oregon players if there there's any interaction there you know we, we always talk about this in like the NBA you you know you see guys like you know Kevin Durant leave and then he play Oklahoma City and everybody kind of watches that drama to see you know what happens there same with like you know when all when everybody leaves like that. It's kind of a, it's kind of the same thing and you don't ever like get that in college football you rarely get that and so just I you know I don't know what grand point I have, but other than just, I'm curious to see. Just seeing what the relationship is. just yeah. seeing what kind of the interactions. interactions is, is, like, are yeah. they just gonna pretend that they don't exist, or is there gonna be some trash talking? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I hope, I hope there's trash talking. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, you know, that would, that would just be fun to watch. I'm just trying to so, bait some drama out of it. Yeah, too. I don't know. It'd be pretty. It'd be pretty fun. <laughs> I,
1: I, I think just kind of something. Obviously, everybody's gonna watch out for. An interesting wrinkle too, just in that he only so he has five uh, touchdown receptions this year, which is. Pretty good. I don't. I'm. I'm not entirely sure where it ranks him. You know, in the in the Pac-12. But he hasn't had uh, a touchdown reception since Stanford. So he yeah. he. You know, I kind of think he'll be hungry, especially against a Duck team that you know. I mean, obviously played for the last three years. There's got to be a bit of a revenge factor there. I I wouldn't be that surprised if he well, just kind of had a great had a know, massive game. The Utah offense is probably going to be on the field quite a
2: bit. Yeah. So he's definitely going to have his opportunities, and um, you know, this Oregon passing defense is much improved, but. You know there's still clearly holes in it, and UCLA was able to take advantage of those, and Stanford was able to take advantage of those. So, you know he's going to have his opportunity. It depends who's at quarterback for the youth quarterback for the Utes, and and how well he does he uh, plays like he did against Arizona State. Then that's pretty bad.
0: But I, I don't know. This is just kind of something to watch out for. Absolutely. So you guys want to you want to make your predictions here. Yeah, so
1: uh, just going over the line. Uh, Utah is favored by three and a half right now. Over/under is about Um and a half. Um, I'm not even entirely sure what Oregon's record against the spread is this year, but I don't think it's very good. No, um, but
2: I, I mean, if I'm looking at this, I again, I don't understand how it's
1: only a three. And a this close,
2: there. and it, it, this is the time of year. It's going to get to the point where you know Herbert could come back at any point. Yeah. You know there were there were kind of some rumors that like he was healing really fast and he might be able to come back for Utah, but you know we have no idea but when he initially was diagnosed, you know, maybe like 4 to 6 weeks we're getting to that 4 to 6 weeks range. Yeah. So you know, I don't know how that affects the line. I'm honestly kind of I think starting next week going to be surprised if there if there is one because as we've seen he's so valuable that yeah. he shifts you know, he he can literally ship this entire team. Yeah. So, and I'm, I mean,
1: if he's, if he, even if he's not after, like, like back for Washington, that's, you know, the following week is Oregon's bye week. Yeah. So it's like, we probably should, like, I mean, I don't want to, you know, say that we're going to see him after that, but, like, if there is, like, if he is going to come back this year, which it sounds like he will, it'll probably be after the bye week if it's not for Washington.
2: Yeah. So, uh, again, you know, just assuming Burmeister's at quarterback, this three and a half seems way too close for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think. It's not going to be as bad as Stanford or second-half UCLA just because they're at home. There's some energy. That'll help them a lot. I mean, yeah. two two weeks on the road in the middle of dealing with a you know a quarterback issue is, is not what you want. So they're back and, at home. And there was not much energy in either of those games either. We were yeah. both of them, and it was just yeah. – Yeah, they didn't – you know, they were – you kind of got to spark yourself yeah. in a sense. And, and so you – at home, you'd think the home crowd just – being able to um, be comfortable will be able to spark this team. So I'm, you know, I, I'm taking Utah obviously straight up and I'm taking them against those, you know, to, to cover by one, three and a half. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. Um, but, you know, I think I think something along the lines of like 20 to 14 yeah, might, might kind of be where this is. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like the other ones turned out to be but at the same time you know three i don't think oregon keeps it within three at, at the end of the day
1: this has this has the potential to be one of the more boring games this year. Uh, i feel like <laughs> um i i have i i also have utah um i also have them covering the spread but i have them way under the under is 15 and a half right now um i think it's 24 13 utah i just think it's just going to be just a grinded out game a lot of running is probably not that many big plays and uh if I mean if you're a
2: big offensive and defensive line this guy is, this yeah. is this is this is a game for you I mean <laughs> this is going to be if you like
1: low scoring grind out game, This is probably going to be like a this, this is going to be like a Big 10 game. If you're <laughs> like, yeah, you I just mean, this the big Ten If you're line. an
2: SEC fan and fan of, you know, offensive ineptness <laughs> uh you know, this is a game for you. So 2:45, uh, baby. That's yeah, 2:45. Two, um, what? Fox? <laughs> Fox,
1: yeah. 2:45 on Fox. Or is, is it Pac-12?
2: Is I think it's Pac-12. I don't know. We should probably know that. It's at 2:45. Just sometime. It's on yeah. Saturday.
1: It's one of the many games going on Saturday. Yeah. Just remember. There's
0: probably it. a better game to watch. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: just looking, at, just looking at the details though. It, according to the line, they do. They are assuming that Justin Herbert is out. So
0: you know. I think that's safe to assume at this point. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah.
2: Right. And and you know I'll be curious to see if they even have a line or for some of these games going forward just because you know if if herbert's status is up in the air which i think is something that you know we might see the oregon coaches use if herbert they know herbert can play they might all week go oh we don't know we don't know because that's pro- that's actually probably an advantage for them because if it gets out that you know if they come out early and we can say Herbert's ready to go and you're Washington you're like all right let's go look at that Herbert tape yeah and you know you you, the offense has been different so you know they could kind of play they could kind of play it uh close to the best um for a while until Herbert you know obviously then once Herbert's out there you know but it'll be interesting to see kind of just based off looking at lines for some of these games but also just like the status of Herbert and how much that'll change things yeah, so.
0: we'll have to see. I- I'm going with uh, Utah seventeen to seven.
1: Ooh, even more Solid. even more lower sc- scoring. Yeah. yeah, I Ooh. I don't
0: expect so. Much.
2: The, yeah, it's because like the over under is fifty. So, I mean, I'm a big under fan. I don't. I don't <laughs> same. I'm I'm an under. I think we're mathematically just doing math. We're all unders, but
0: uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. We'll see. For those who like the offensive and defensive lines, like Jack says, yeah. but. Yeah, I think I think that'll do it for this week's edition of the Emerald Football Podcast. So, think so? Think so. EFP. The EFP F-pun. as Gus Morris says, and the FPA as trademark. Jack Butler says. I'm Sean Meadow. Both so
1: copyrighted trademark. So
0: are they or pending? no no
2: that we got him oh just, got I him just did it if you just fantastic say it like, it, yeah. fantastic I think that's how the
0: I think that's, that's how it that works you, you, just say you, you just say it and yeah. it is
2: did you not see me on Shark Tank perfect
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I must have missed that one joke. no
0: I missed that episode I'm sorry but Jeez, if guys. you miss any other episodes from the Emerald Podcast Network you can go online at nice. SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts dailyemerald.com I we thought have we have were... a sidebar on the right as well I thought we were friends we are friends we're all great friends And you can be friends with us too. Subscribe, (laughs) listen, you know where to go. We'll be back next week.